Freedom. What an amazing gift. And yet something we so often take for granted. We were praying about freedom this morning. This morning, I want to just share with us really a reminder of what we have in Christ and the invitation that Jesus gives to each one of us that King Jesus has for each one of us today. I don't know what you did yesterday, um, but I sat and watched all the pomp and all the ceremony. And I wasn't expecting to watch as long as I did, but I got really quite gripped and fascinated by it all. There was so much um, symbolism in the service, wasn't there, of different things. And it was quite amazing to watch a scene that could have almost come out of the Old Testament, really, with the anointing of the oil and everything. It was just quite amazing. And I really loved the fact that it was fantastic to hear the Bible so central to that ceremony. Um, it's, uh, they, this is what they, uh, how they described the Bible. We present you with this book, the most valuable thing that this world affords. And I absolutely loved that. Um, and I got really, really um, engrossed in it all. And uh, I loved it. You know, I'm the person who looks out for the horse that's going a bit off-piste, you know. I like those bits and bobs that I see and try and see the bits that I was waiting for a hat to fall off or uh, someone to drop that orb, you know, like I was thinking it's going to go or someone trip over their dress or something. It's just like, it, it was just, I was looking at it all, watching it all. But the bit that I really want to watch is the celebrations that follow. I wish they carried on with the camera into the feast, you know, into watching them all have that feast and that meal around the table. I love that the central meal was based in a Christian way. They had quiche, didn't they, as their uh, chosen dish. Good old Christian quiche there. Um, and in fact, it was a deep quiche with a crisp, light pastry case and delicate flavours of spinach, broad beans and fresh tarragon. That's what we're told, okay? Quiche, Yeah. Wow, what an adventurous king we have here. Um, and, and I just wonder, I'd love to see it. I was thinking, I wonder if the children get up from the table and wander around with tomato sauce over their face. And if they, like, play up a bit and, you know, parents have to get stuff out their handbag to keep them entertained and all of those things, you know. Um, and I would love to see that bit, but never mind, we never get to see that. But it got me thinking last week, and I know I've shared this with some of you already. What would I do... If I went to my letterbox and saw that there was a royal envelope in my letterbox, what would I do if an invitation had come through my door to say, you are invited to have a feast, to dinner with the king? What would be the first thought that would go through your mind? Tell the person next to you. What would you think if that came through? <laughs> Okay, there you go. Lots of different thoughts and reactions. My first thought would be, what will I wear? Yeah, who else had that one? Now I can go on a big shopping trip and what would I wear? Anyone else have anything else? By a dress. <laughs> Matt, <laughs> now, pardon? Wrong address. Oh, I thought you said by a dress. I thought, oh my goodness. Okay, wrong address. Okay, you think? Anyone else? Why me? Yeah. Who else said something else? 
Lynn, you'd faint. Yeah, yeah, faint. I would say to my wife, we're definitely going. You're definitely going, yeah, absolutely. I would be definitely going. Why me? Yeah, you'd... What have, I, what have I done to be invited? Um, you'd probably phone around family and friends and there'd be an air of real excitement. Um, and I, but I would definitely be in a flap about what to wear. Um, and then there would be the expectation of what you were going to see, wouldn't there? You'd be excited. You'd have certain things in your mind that you would expect, like I would be thinking I was going to be a grand feasting table and it's going to be like a big feast and all the cutlery and everything wouldn't have those dishwasher marks that you can't get off, you know. It would all be sparkling and pristine and uh, be amazing. Well, this morning, I just want to remind us all today that each one of us has received an invitation from the King, that we do have an invitation from the King before us today. And the only thing that he's waiting for is our response, our response to what we do with that invitation. If I cast my mind back maybe two three years ago to when I was 33, um, I would, (laughs) no, no, not joking, Uh, um, I would um, have thought that my life was just starting out on the beginning of an adventure, okay? When I was 33, you've got the world ahead of you. Anyone 33? Not yet. Some of you not yet. No, I'm actually going to say. Um, you think you've got the world ahead of you. You have all these plans. You think you're just at the beginning of life. You've got everything ahead of you. It's an exciting time. But at the age of 33, Jesus made a very profound statement. What Jesus said at the age of 33 was, It is finished. It is finished. And Jesus spoke those words from the cross. And the cross was the goal of Jesus from the very beginning. Jesus was born so that he would die. There was his birth so that there would be his death. God became a man in human form so that we can know forgiveness. Jesus was born so that we might live. Jesus died so that we might know life. And when he had accomplished his purpose, when he came and fulfilled the mission, he summed it up in three simple words. It is finished. And it was a very commonly used word, finished. We use it a lot today, don't we? It is finished. Jesus probably used that word when he was alongside his dad. You know, so right back with his father in the carpenter's workshop, he would have been working hard all morning. I can imagine him saying, it's finished. Let's go and get some lunch. Okay, we've accomplished our mission. What we set out to achieve today has been accomplished. Mission accomplished. It is finished. It is done. So when he hung on the cross, what did Jesus mean by those words? It is finished. What was finished? What was finished? What had he achieved? Finished and completed were the horrendous sufferings that Jesus had had to go through. He wouldn't have to suffer again in that way. Never again would he have to go through the excruciating pain that he went through by the hands of wicked men. Never again would he have to carry the weight and the burden of the sin of the world, of our sin upon his shoulders. 
Never again, not even for a moment, would he be forsaken by God, his father. That was completed. It was complete. It was accomplished. It was taken care of. Also finished, also completely finished, was Satan's hold on humanity, his hold on you and I, his power over you and I. The Bible says this in Hebrews 2. Because God's children are human beings, because we're made of flesh and blood, the Son, Jesus, also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil, who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set us free, all free, all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Jesus came to set us free. And finished was our salvation. Finished was our salvation. It was paid for. You don't need to try and earn your salvation. We don't need to add to the free gift that God has given us. It's a free gift. It's like that invitation coming through the door to each one of us. If you put your faith in Jesus, then you can say with confidence, I am forgiven. I am forgiven. And you can have peace knowing that Jesus finished it on the cross for each one of us, for you and for me. I don't know about you, but I'm terrible at starting things and not bringing them to a completion. You know, I might, be, I might start a painting, and I think I'm going to really get into a painting. And I start this painting, and it's going well, and then I think, oh, no. And then, then it just goes weeks and weeks by, and I've got this half-finished painting. Or I think I'm going to take up sewing, and I start sewing, and you know, like you get this half-finished bit, and it's never quite completed. I do lots of things. I'm always starting things and never quite bring them to completion. Thank goodness God isn't like that. Thank goodness God isn't like that with us. I'm so glad that God finishes what he begins. The Bible says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. God completed the good work he set out to do through his son, Jesus. Through Jesus. Because Jesus felt that pain of separation from his father. We never have to. We never have to. Jesus did it for us if we put our faith in Jesus. Meaning that when we can't, our time on earth has come to an end. And that's the one thing that we all have in common. One day, our time on earth will come to an end. We don't have to be afraid. Because we can have the confidence of eternal life with Jesus. It is finished. That's what Jesus said. There has never been, and there will never be another person to walk this earth like Jesus. You know, sometimes we talk about with the children what makes a superhero, you know? And Jesus, he really was the real thing. And I want to stop for a moment and just pause and think about this thought because what an immense moment this is. As we think about watching the coronation yesterday, and that is nowhere near you know, our heavenly kingdom. (laughs) If you think about that yesterday, Jesus gave up 
he gave up all the privileges of the kingdom of heaven so that he could serve you. Jesus left heaven. He gave it all up so that he could serve you and he could serve me. It's an amazing thought, an incredible thought. He gave it all up to serve us. He never stopped being God. Jesus never stopped being God. But he came to us as a servant king. Don't ever doubt that God loves you. Wherever you are this morning and whoever, you know, you've, whatever you've come in with, don't ever doubt that God loves you. He proved it to us on the cross. You know, sometimes we think it was the nails that held Jesus on that cross. It wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross. It was love. It was love that held Jesus on that cross. Love held Jesus on the cross. His love for you and his love for me. One of the most amazing verses in the Bible, we know so well, Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. What an amazing promise that is. What amazing promise that is. You know, we offend God. We do things. We make mistakes. We mess up. We sin against God. We cross that line time and time again. And most of us would say that we're good people. Most of us would say that we're good people. Most of us would say that we live a fairly moral, good life. But we're not good enough to get to heaven on our own. We aren't good enough to get to heaven on our own. None of us are. So that's what Jesus did for us. Jesus died and took the judgment that we deserve. Jesus died in our place. He took the judgment upon himself that we should have taken. Jesus paid that price. When Paul wrote to the Colossians, he said this of Jesus. He cancelled, listen to this over your life. He cancelled the record of charges against us. He cancelled the record of charges against you and took it away by nailing it to the cross. That's what Jesus did for each one of us. And not as a, um, Jesus only forgiven us, but we've been justified. And justified means made us right before God so that we can come into the presence of God. He's removed our debt of sin and he's forgiven us. That's what Jesus has done for us. But he also makes us right, right with the Father. When Jesus died on the cross, God treated him as though he had lived your life. He had lived your life. And now he sees us as though we've lived Jesus' perfect life. What an amazing thought. We gloss over it so quickly, the freedom that we have, the freedom that Jesus won for us. What an amazing thought. That is the good news of the gospel. When we speak about the gospel, that's what we're talking about, that Jesus died for each one of us because he loves us. I wonder if you've ever done something or said something or text something or emailed something that you did and then you thought, I wish I could take that back. 
I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I could take this back. Forgive me for those who've heard this before, but there was a couple from Chicago, and they were planning a holiday somewhere warm and sunny. But the wife couldn't join her husband because she was on a business trip, so she was going to follow the next day. Um, Her husband scribbled down her email address um, on a little scrap of paper, but on his arrival, he discovered that he'd lost it. He'd lost the email address when he got there. He wanted to send her an email to let her know that he'd arrived safely at his destination. So trying his best to remember the email address, he composed a brief message to her and sent it off quickly. Unfortunately, his email did not reach his wife. Instead, it went to a grieving widow who had just lost her husband, who was a preacher, the day before. She had gone to her computer and was checking her email when she let out a loud shriek and fainted. Her family came quickly to see what email she had received. This was on the screen. Dearest wife, I checked in. Everything is prepared for your arrival tomorrow. P.S. It's hot and sunny down here. (laughs) No, it sure is hot down here. Yes. Oh, These things, sometimes we wish we could take back, don't we? We really wish we could take them back. I bet that guy wished I could take that email back straight away uh, once it had been sent. You know, we've all done things that we wish we hadn't done. We've all said things that we wish we hadn't said. Actions that later on, when we think about them, we feel so bad about. You know, we feel so bad about that action, but what it leads to is us feeling bad about ourselves actually feeling but horrible about ourselves. But the good news is that God can forgive us of that. God forgives us of that. That's what Jesus did on the cross. That's what Jesus was saying when he said, it is finished. It is finished. So now we come to the invitation. The invitation that is given to each one of us this morning. We have a choice. We have a choice of what we do with the invitation that Jesus presents to us today. When Jesus died on the cross, there were some people uh, watching who believed. For example, there was the Roman centurion. He was a really hard and tough guy. He would have been there, witnessed, overseen many different crucifixions. And yet, the Bible tells us that he, when he saw Jesus and he saw the suffering of Jesus at crucifixion, he said this, this man truly was the son of God. He changed his heart. Jesus was crucified, we know, amongst two criminals. One of the criminals who was crucified alongside Jesus, he believed, he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Two people who witnessed and, and believed. But what absolutely amazes me is that there were people there at the crucifixion who stood, who saw, who saw Jesus on the cross. They were there when the sun was eclipsed for three hours and they were in darkness. They experienced the crucifixion and yet they simply walked away. They simply went back to their lives and walked away. They didn't realize what had just happened. So here is the choice today. You can look and live, or we can look and leave. 
we can look at the crucifixion and choose to put Jesus centre of our lives and find life and life in all its fullness. Or we can hear and look and we can simply leave. We can enjoy a good burger and off we go. You can say, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I want him to forgive me. I want that relationship and that hope. And you know in that moment you live forever. You have your eternity secured in heaven. You find the meaning of life here on earth as well as in the afterlife. It's amazing, a relationship with Jesus. You know, this weekend we're celebrating a new earthly king. We've all enjoyed the celebrations. Thanks, Rach, for putting up a balloon arch. Look how creative she is. Um, amazing. We all enjoy it. We enjoy all the festivities. We may never get the privilege of meeting King Charles. Some of you will, I'm sure. Some people will get to meet King Charles in person. However, we know a far greater king than King Charles. In that ceremony yesterday, did you hear that when they prayed, they prayed to the King of Kings, the King of Kings, King Jesus. We have the privilege of knowing the King of Kings, not only knowing the King of Kings, being called sons and daughters of the King. What an amazing privilege that is. We can have a relationship with the living King Jesus. And in two days' time, we'll be celebrating our Liberation Day, our freedom, our liberation. Many of us will complain it's not like the good old days when we used to go down to the seafront and get on fairground rides and eat dinky donuts and, you know, all the things we used to do, bump into people you only ever saw once a year. I don't believe they lived in Guernsey, actually. Um, but used to do that on Liberation Day, and we used to enjoy, all enjoy it celebrating liberation. It was a day of expectation, a day of excitement, a day of adventure, a day of freedom that we all had and we all looked forward to and we went out and just enjoyed and party. And you know, everything that I've been speaking about this morning, about Jesus dying on the cross for us, the invitation that Jesus puts before us, the truth of Jesus dying on the cross and coming back to life three days later is so that we can know freedom and we can live life to the full. We can know freedom. And so often we think about being a Christian as all the things that we can't do. And, and I, I think that we have a lot to, to answer for as a church. We need to sometimes ask for forgiveness, really. For many years, we've been far too vocal, shouting about um, the things that we're against rather than the things that we stand for. Because the things that we stand for are love and joy and freedom. Who doesn't want those things? Amazing things. No doctor can heal a broken heart. Do you know that? They can treat your heart for all sorts of conditions, but they can't heal the pain of a broken heart, the emotional pain. Only Jesus can heal a heart that has been broken. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he's anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, will be set free, that the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free. Jesus says in Luke 4:18, He sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus came to heal brokenhearted people. Maybe your heart breaks from the loss of someone that you loved so deeply. Maybe your heart breaks from a relationship of someone you loved so much and that's broken down. 
Maybe your heart breaks because you feel like you're a constant failure. Maybe your heart breaks because you feel like you're a burden to your family. Maybe your family's let you down and it feels like nobody cares. Jesus can heal your broken heart. Jesus can set you free from that pain. He came to proclaim that captives will be released and that the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free. I wonder this morning if you feel like you're crushed by life. You know, you're just crushed. Everything is always hard. It's always difficult. You know, Jesus can release you. He can set you free. But you have to want to. You have to want to. He came to set us free. If we go to him, ask him to forgive us, he will turn our lives around and set us free. The same Jesus who walked this earth, who I'm talking about all those years ago, loves us today. He loves us today. He loves you today. He loves me today. The same Jesus who died on the cross, who took the sin of the world upon himself, who rose from the dead. He wants to forgive us. He wants us to be living lives of freedom, not lives where we're bound up. He wants us to live lives of freedom. Death died when Jesus came back to life. When Jesus came back to life. You don't have to be under the power or the control of anything or anyone because Jesus bought your freedom on the cross. That's what Jesus did. And that is the kind of king that I want to give my life to. That is the kind of king that I want to serve that I want to give my life in service to, and that is the kind of freedom, the life of freedom, that I want to choose to live, a life in all its fullness. And so today, I'm going to ask us to respond today, and um, I'm going to do it in a really different way to what we normally do, um, because um, I just want us to respond in a way. Yesterday at the ceremony, there was a moment where Justin Welby, he invited you to join in um, with a declaration for the king, of that we would support the king. Today, I want us to do the same, but I want us to give our lives back to King Jesus, to say, actually, Jesus, you're king, you're king of my life, you're king of this church, you're king of this island, and we want to commit again to serve you. And so I just invite you, if you want to really commit yourself again to Jesus, to say, I believe what has been said this morning, and I want to serve King Jesus, then I invite you to stand. I invite you to stand with me now. And um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read a verse, and then I'm just going to read a verse and a line. Then I invite you just to say it after me. Um, it's only very short, um, and then I'll pray. Um, because I really feel like this is a day that we want to dedicate ourselves back to the real king, the king of kings, King Jesus, and to just celebrate the freedom that he has won for us. So if you'd like to join me, please stand. And I'm going to read to you a verse. This is from Deuteronomy chapter 10. Just think about this. Now, what does the Lord your God require from you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, 
and to keep the Lord's commands and his statutes, which I am commanding you today for your good. And so all I'm going to do is I'm going to read a line, and then I'd like us to say it afterwards. And uh, just as a sign of commitment again today, as we commit ourselves individually and as a church to serving King Jesus. We shall love you, Lord our God. With all our heart. And with all our soul. And with all our might. Amen. Father God, I thank you that as you see us stand before you today, we want to commit ourselves again to serving King Jesus, the one who left all the glory and riches of heaven to serve us, mankind. May we never take the freedom that was won for us on the cross lightly, and may we give our all to serve you and commit back to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.